0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: The Funky, Funky writer Show is now in the air, spotlighted on badredheadmedia.com as a top author podcast on the web today and called A Total Blast of a Show for Writers. My name is Robert Batista, and you may ask, why is the Funky Writers Show so terrific? Because I'm a writer just like my guests and know that words are the breath of life. Connect with the show on the exciting Twitter page by going to @theFunkyWriter. the Funky Writer. Locke is tired of running, searching for her people. The loneliness consumes her until unexpectedly Trenton and Tyler appear to not only save her physically from Blackthorn, who wish her death, but to save her mind, body, and soul from unforeseen troubles. She not only finds love with the people she thought she had lost, but all-consuming passion she didn't know existed. This is part of a blurb of today's guest's captivating book. She's Raven DeLahante. Raven DeLahante, welcome to the Funky Writers Show.
0: Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure, Raven. Raven, your book... The Last White Wolf, is very intriguing to me. Please tell us what the book is about.
0: Well, I wanted to be able to put people into a world of werewolves where they weren't monsters, where they were an actual race. And so I created this place called Wolf Town and The Last Queen, Lark herself, and I wanted um people to be able to experience love from different points of view rather than the norm. So I made a, a nice little triangle with a set of twins. So it's it's an interesting way to look at werewolf life.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, I know you love wolves and have them on your land. How did your love for these magnificent animals play in the concept of this story?
0: Well, I think because I've been... Um, ha I've had wolves for about 30 years off and on, so I really understand their personalities, and it was the perfect format for me to translate into a shifter because I already knew their movements and the way they act and their sense of humor, so it was easy to make them into people. You know, when you look at an animal every day and you see how it behaves, it's not that hard to write it as a human and all of my books are shifter characters, so I, I thought that that would be an, you know a good base to start with.
1: So you being so close to wolves and surely know them well, are there any misconceptions about them that you can talk about? Are there things about wolves that people don't know about and should?
0: Oh there's a lot of things that people misconstrue about wolves. Um I would say that the primary one is they think they're going to just attack you in the random when you go through the woods. When right. the truth is wolves are are generally cowards. They will run from you unless you're um attacking a mate or a a cub. You know, generally wolves will run and hide even if they're in a pack because humans are scared. You know, they're scared of humans. So they they're not very aggressive as far unless you go in like the dead of winter when they're starving and you try to like right. mess with right. one of them. But they're not you never see them. If you go in the woods, you you know, you wouldn't see them. They're going to hide until you leave. Um basically, if you feed them, <laughs> they will do anything you want. They're uh, food oriented. So is Wolves
1: it. are basically cowards, huh?
0: Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's something
1: People... I never knew, so thank you for letting me know just in case I come across something. <laughs> well, the truth is if you've got a sandwich in your pocket and you throw it at yeah. them,
0: they're going to forget about you. They're going to go right, after right. the food. <laughs> you know?
1: That's good to know. Raven, how long have you been writing, and what was it that made you start authoring your story?
0: Actually, I've only been writing a little over a year, and I've put out uh, four novels, and I have a with a co-author on three, and I have a, a fifth coming out in two weeks. Um, I actually had a bet. Uh, the guy, this book came out that blew everybody away. Everybody was talking about it. It made a movie. Everybody said it was such a good book. I thought it was horrible. And so I was talking to the guy at the bookstore, and I was ranting, and I said, God, I could do better than this. And he said, don't even try. It takes years and years to become an author. And I said, really? I'm a little bit like a pit bull. You can't tell me no, because now it's on. (laughs) So I said, all right, bet. So six months later, I I walked in with a, a finished novel printed by Hay House and Balboa, and I handed it to him and said, see, I told you I could do it. And then I found out I was good at it, and I just kept going. So it it was one of those things you fall into.
1: So you're saying you just started writing for about a year, but I'm sure you've been a voracious reader for quite a while. So did you? what was the differences of, of reading as per writing? I mean, and then writing uh, for the masses. Um, what did you learn in this year of writing and publishing?
0: Well, I actually learned finish the book before you pick it apart. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) you'll never get finished. So I start – the first book took me a while to get past the first three chapters because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But once I discovered to stop going back and finding errors, I just wrote the whole book from start cover to cover, and then I went back and looked for mistakes. And it went a lot faster that way. Because it's not – once you go back, you realize, oh, well, it's not that bad. It just needs a few tweaks here and there. But if you keep going back, you'll never finish it. You'll just spend your life on Chapter 1. So I was like, no. But, yeah, and I've probably learned – I read about seven novels a week uh, normally. I always have. And I have a specific – I like um, Paranormal, and I like the Shifters and the Vampires and stuff like that. So – I just wanted to make my characters less um, horrible and more real, like the way a real people would live. Right. And so I kind of took, you know, all the old movies and stuff like that, and I thought about the way they had portrayed a character. And then I thought, well, how would I portray this character? And I just changed it to make characters more like human beings with thoughts and feelings and emotions. And not have just a mindless beast running around slashing people's throats. <laughs> so that's kind of what I was going for.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. So it seems that the last white wolf genre is part paranormal with some erotica thrown in. Would you, Would you agree with
0: that? Actually, quite a bit of erotica.
1: Um, <laughs> I was being nice. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, um the first book was a little bit more intense as far okay. as the erotica goes than the second one because like I said, I was, you know, trying to compete against a erotic book when I wrote the first one. And right. I didn't want the story to be overshadowed by the erotica. So I tried to give it a balance to where, you know, you didn't have just nothing but erotica, you had some story. And sure. so I gave you know, I I tried to make it a story that if you took the erotic out you would still want to read it. And I, I think I pulled that off with the first one. The second one I got more into the story itself, but I still have erotica in there. It's just not as much. You know, it's you know, you might have uh sixty pages in a Wolf or Samantha of erotica where you might have eighty five or ninety in The Last White Wolf. So, you know, but they're part of a series, so you want to read them in order. At least I like to read series in order.
1: One five star Amazon review of this book by Number One Book Babe states For a debut novel, the plot in this book is impressive. There are some wonderfully original ideas that I haven't come across in other paranormal books of the shifter variety. The author also doesn't hold back on the hot, sexy scenes, and there are plenty to enjoy, unlike some erotica books where the sex overtakes the story. This is not the case here. The balance between plot and hot has definitely been achieved, providing a great read and some enjoyable erotica all rolled into one. Wow, plot and hot. First time I heard that, you have some gift there, Raven. Great story and hot pages. You go, girl. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually love that particular review. I've I've copied and pasted it on Twitter. Um, it was one of those reviews that you, you read and you're like, wow, thank you so much. You know, it's I'm just glad that they got it. You know, when you write a story, you want them to understand right. what you're trying to portray and right. not think, you know, oh, this is just some trashy novel. I wanted them to enjoy the story. And from most of my reviews, it seems like people like the books.
1: And as you said, in the review that, that I just read, she said you masterfully – Mix both the erotic and the story very, very well, which, you know, which is fantastic. Um, So how was The Last White Wolf published and your first book published? And talk about some of the challenges, if any, in bringing your novel out and publishing it, because a lot of writers always want to know about how you get your books published. So how was your first book published?
0: Well, it was actually a challenge because I had no clue what I was doing with the first book. I didn't do any okay. research. I didn't, you know, I just assumed you send the script out into the world and hopefully someone will like it. So, I made 10 copies and I sent 5 to just random agents I could find and I sent 5 to different publishing houses. Well, Reader's Digest sent me a really nice letter. They said that they would love to publish it, but because of the erotica, they couldn't. But right. they referred me to um, Hay House slash Balboa, which is a self-publishing company through Hay House, and you you have to pay for it. But it's you get to pick your plan and all that. And because I didn't know what I was doing at the time, I did that. I said, well, okay, I'm going to publish through these people because they know what they're doing. And right. they were very they were very nice and you know very helpful, but. I didn't get as much out of it as I really wanted as far as control over the book. So with the second one, I had already hooked up with Rita by that point, and she explained to me that I could publish directly through Amazon. So with the other three novels, I published directly through Amazon, and that way I just foregoed a lot of the drama that you do with some of the houses. Now, there are some larger houses that I'm still applying to, and I just go to the website where it says submission, and you send a, a book in. And if they like it, they'll let you know in a couple of weeks. They'll either say, yes, we like it, but we can't do it, or you have to fit our guidelines. But there are – you go to any of the big houses' websites, they do have a submission area. Everybody okay. except, I believe, Penguin House, who requires that you have an agent. Okay. But, you that's, know, if you just kind of have you know. to search out there, but – Right now, I'm very happy with the Amazon Publishing.
1: Let's talk about Raven Dillahunty, the person. Where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like?
0: Well, um, I'm part Indian, so I grew up half the time on the reservation and the other time here in Florida, um, and it was we were fairly poor, so we did a lot of hunting and fishing and you know, we did a, a lot of you know animals. We had animals everywhere. We still do. Uh, everything from chickens to you know whatever the kids drug home that week. <laughs> Cats, dogs, ferrets. You know whatever we could do. Uh, we gardened, of course, and sometimes in the summer we would go work for relatives picking tobacco to uh, buy school clothes. So you know we we were pretty poor, but as we got older, you know everybody went to college and and work that out, (laughs) you know.
1: Interesting. When you say you grew up partly on the reservation, uh, what reservation was that?
0: Uh, Anadarko, Oklahoma. It's the Kiowa Reservation.
1: Very interesting. Um, What were some of the books and authors that inspired you in your youth?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, To Kill a Mockingbird uh was right. one of my favorites. It's also one of my daughter's favorites. Um I loved Barbara Cartland's. Oh, I, I they I read oh, yeah. everything she ever wrote and I think she must have put out a thousand books. I don't know how she At had least. the time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I I literally would find every thr- uh thrift store, used bookstore and just absorb those books. I was reading three of those a day cuz they were only like 100 pages. You know, they were fairly small. I read yes. a lot of those. I I never got in, and I loved Andre Norton and Anne McGaffrey. Um, they wrote brilliant sci-fi's and um, fantasies. I loved the Witch World series. You know anything that was intricate and in detailed with lots and lots of characters, almost to the point where you couldn't follow the story. You know, <laughs> but now I'm I'm more into Christina Feehand and Lorelai and some of the more Edgy writers. I love dark right. stories. You know the vampires, the werewolves. You know a character that that you hate but love at the same time. <laughs> so, you know you're like, well, how could he be so cruel? But oh, he's so fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm interested to to know if you know you say *Killer Mockingbird* was you and your daughters uh, one of your one of uh, your favorite books. Have you or your daughter read the sequel that just came out recently by? Um, by um the I did
0: of buy it and give it to my daughter as a gift, but I haven't had time to steal it back and read it. But because I put out so many books this year, I, I'm kind of limited on my reading time. But right. she does. I will be reading that. You know, we own it. I just got to get my hands on it. But I yeah, can't I'm wait just to a find out. Curious
1: on on what you thought of that. Um, I'd like to talk more about your raising wolves, Raven. Did you raise them from little pups? And what are the differences in bringing up young wolves as opposed to dogs? Is it true wolves need a lot more roaming space and require more work?
0: Well, it's not that they need more roaming space. I I mean, I have a quarter acre. They are escape artists. So if you don't give them a ton of attention, they will just leave and go and explore the world. And I've had a couple of them that could unfray chain link. They can jump about eight feet. So they can jump a privacy fence without hot wire. Um, You know, there's a lot of challenges as far as keeping them wanting to stay with you. You know, they, they require a lot of attention, doting. You also have to know when to just step back and let them do their thing. Because if right. you have a couple of them fighting for um, who's going to be in charge, you're not going to stick your hand in there and try to pull them apart. You'll get bit by mistake. You know, I just turn the hose on them. But, you know, <laughs> you know they're they're. You know, I always raise them from puppies. Um, and okay. right now I'm primarily dealing with the hybrids because I'm in town. When I was, you know, in the country I could keep full-blooded ones. But in town you can only keep up to 74%. So the ones I have right now are 74% Timberwolf and the rest Belgian Shepherd. And they are different as puppies. They tease more because they get more teeth. Um, They will eat your furniture if they're bored. I've had a couple of dining room tables that they just ate while I was gone. They just devoured. (laughs) Yeah, they (laughs) ate the legs off. I mean, it was like the legs (laughs) were gone by the time I got home. And I wasn't gone that long. You know, they're just, they they can be destructive. So I wouldn't recommend them if you don't have the time and the patience to really train these dogs. You know, you have to spend a lot of time with them. And, you know, my kids have grown up with them, and, and they understand them, and they know when to back off and, you know, when to approach a dog. Plus, you can't just walk up to a stranger's dog. You kind of have to be part of that pack, that family unit. Right. You know, so I, I limited the other neighbors people that came around from going near the dogs you know i was like no pet the puppy you know <laughs> but but yeah um they're uh, they weigh more than a dog at birth so a newborn wolf might weigh 2 pounds you know and my males go up to 140 the right. females are about 60 to 80 depending on the the wolf but and they eat a huge amount they're, you know, they eat a lot. I probably go through 400 pounds of dog food a month plus raw chicken. Wow! So you know, there's it's a it's a commitment. It's and they live longer. Yes, they can live 25 years. So if you're wow. not planning on you know keeping that dog forever, don't get it. <laughs>
1: that that's good to know. Um, I and this piggybacks to my next question. I understand there's a hybrid, as you said, of both animals, which now you tell me that you also own, uh, called a wolf dog. Uh, and it's a hybrid of, of a dog and a wolf. Can you tell us more about these animals? Because that, that really wreaks my curiosity.
0: Yeah, Well, they're actually wolf hybrids because a wolf dog is an actual different breed. Um, Got it. A wolf hybrid is usually a high-content wolf percentage mixed with either a shepherd or another intelligent dog. If you mix it with something stupid, you will get a stupid wolf. (laughs) And a stupid wolf will dig holes that are 12 feet deep and bite you. So, you know, I wouldn't recommend breeding these with uh, pit bulls or Labradors. You know, this is something that you, you have to be careful of the mix. No chows. You don't want anything aggressive because two aggressive dogs make a more aggressive dog. Mm. But um, wolf hybrids are actually fairly easy. They're similar to dogs. They just have more of the curiosity, the escape artist, and the um, the constant ravenous um, appetite. Right. You know they. You know so you have to keep them. You know on a schedule like a child. You have to feed them at a certain time every day without fail. You know, otherwise they'll eat the neighbors' cats. So, you know, <laughs> oh my God, you know, That's interesting. Well, actually, I live in an um, interesting part of town, and they love my wolves because they howl whenever the fire truck, the ambulance, or the police are coming by. So <laughs> <laughs> the thugs boys run away. You know, they're like, oh, gotta go. The wolves are howling. But you know, it's they're kind of like my my alarm system because you can hear them for about two miles. When yes, now.
1: yes. <laughs> Raven, let's switch gears
0: and okay. talk about
1: your writing collaboration with one of my prior guests, Rita Ames. Talk about you, how you and her first got together and what have you two written so far?
0: Oh, I love her to death. She's so sweet. Um, I met her on Twitter actually. We were uh I just started my Twitter page and she was one of my first followers and um she wrote you know thank you for following and i wrote her back what do you do she's like i'm a writer and we somehow came around to the discussion of you know she was in the middle of writing five short stories and i was and she's like but i don't have the time to really finish it and for some reason i just said well do you need some help and she's like oh great could you write me a short story and i said sure So I whipped one up and sent it to her, and she was like, "Well, I'm really running low on time, and I've got to get this book out. Go ahead and write me another one." So I did, and our our writing styles complement each other so well because she writes very coming of age, sweet characters, and I write very dark characters. Um, They're a little more aggressive, so we kind of complement each other, and for some reason, when we put them together, they really work and they make something magical. So the first book came out, and that was Night Flames, and it became pretty popular. Everybody loved that book. So she's like, well, let's do something different. Let's do a vampire book. I said, okay, I've never written a vampire story. So we, we each did two, one story each for that book, and that was Silver in the Moonlight. And her story was a coming-of-age, um, lovely story about a, a vampire and his love, And mine was, you know, a little more about crime, drama type thing. Right. But when we put it together, it came out really well. So once we sent that one off, the next thing I know, we're doing another one. And this one will be out in two weeks, and it's called um, Sensing Love. And we're just waiting on the rewrites right now, and then that'll be out. So we will have three, and then we're going to take a little break so that we can each finish our next novel but we work really well together cuz she's such a nice person and she's so easy to get along with and you know our styles complement each other you know so you know there's nothing that i could say that could say how nice she is
1: yes yes she is cool people um and uh it seems like you are the yang to her yin which makes your collaboration work so well do you and you and her plan to do any more future collaborations after you and her finish your individual books? Uh,
0: yes, we have discussed it. Um, we're probably going to do a sequel to the Vampire one okay. um, after we each get our next novel out, but got people asking us for the next book, so we're trying to get that done. Right, so It'll probably right. be about you know a month or two, and then we'll put out another one together. I call them filler books because they fill my time between novels. You know, like I'll I can't just sit down and write a novel every day. So, I like the little short stories that we do together cuz I can put right. one of those out a week, you know. So, whenever I'm in the middle of a novel and my brain starts to fry, I just start working on a short story, and the next thing I know, I've got, you know, three short stories ready to go. And she does the same thing. So, we we are very opposite, but yet we're the same. We're kind of like, you know, two sides of a coin.
1: Yes. Raven, let's talk social media. I see, as as you mentioned, you're on Twitter, uh, and I see you're on Goodreads and and the like. Of all the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand, and which, in your estimation, is the best for authors?
0: I would say uh, Twitter and Goodreads are probably the best, too because on Facebook you generally are talking to friends and family and people right. that actually know you. And they've probably already purchased your book. You know, they're not complete strangers or you may not have but 10 strangers on your page. Where on Twitter most of them are strangers. Most of them are from different parts of the world that may not have heard about your, you know, what you do. So I think Twitter is probably a better advertising format. Um, Goodread is great because, you know, everybody that writes is on there. You know, so periodically you'll get some kind of, you know, little thing that will say, you know, oh, your editing needed work. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll take care of that. Because you know if they're on Goodreads, they read a lot. Otherwise, Correct. they haven't heard of it, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I've got to say I spend more time on Twitter, uh, but I am on LinkedIn, Google+, Facebook, and Goodreads. Okay. Um I do about an hour a day uh of just posting on all the sites. And it takes me about an hour to post four ads on all five sites. So um you know, it's you gotta be vigilant with the um social media because they will forget you if they don't hear from you by tomorrow. You know?
1: That's so true. You know, Raven, you are such a well laid human being. I know that you also in another life or lives <laughs> <laughs> uh, have been a martial artist and also a ballerina. Can you talk about that, please?
0: Oh, sure. Well, I started uh, doing ballet at about three, and I did it until I was probably 22 or so. Um, and then at 16, I started taking Tang Soo off and on through Master Pack here in Jacksonville. And I've stayed with him whenever I'm in town for the last 35 years. And he's still around. He's like 100, but he's great. Um I really, I used to fight tournaments a lot, and I really enjoyed wow. the, the battle of the tournament. Um, I enjoyed, you know, fighting, but I think it was about 2000, I was no longer allowed to fight women, so they started making me fight men, and the battles got a lot harder. So, and I'm older now, so I, I haven't fought a tournament since 2004, was the okay. battle, the last one I fought. But, I mean, I usually hold my own. I, I love I love the battle. I really do. I get all excited and get all into it. Um, and I still work out three or four times a week. You know, it's it's a lifestyle. You really have to enjoy martial arts. You know, you you can't put on a Rocky movie in my house without everybody screaming. You know, we get into it. We throw popcorn at the TV, you know, any kind of uh, cage fight, anything like that. We're all into it, you know, <laughs> so.
1: We love it, but... That is so interesting. So I, I take it you're an a MMA fan?
0: I was an MMA fighter before it was called MMA. Wow. I actually went to Taiwan and fought a few full contact matches over there. I spent uh, about a year in Taiwan. Um, I did pick up Chinese, but the slang version... Um, yeah, we. I did a lot of that. I traveled quite a bit in my youth to do nothing but, you know, fight. And I actually broke my back in a fight once, uh, healed up after acupuncture. <laughs> but
1: mm. So when is the book about that part of your life coming out?
0: I You know, I may add some martial arts or fights to um, a book. Don't see that as being an actual book unless it's a character that shifts that likes to fight you know got it but i did use a lot of it when i was doing the technical fight scenes in both of my first two novels you know because i luckily could picture it in my head from all the years of fighting so anything that they did in the book i knew was feasible other than the ripping of the head you know everything else was feasible you could do it and i tried to you know put that realist into the fights in my books But I don't see writing a book straight about fighting or a biography um, because I find myself boring. You know, I, I find my characters more intriguing. <laughs> what?
1: You are in no way boring. I would tell you, if you put out your biography, I'd be the first in line to buy that book. you kidding me? <laughs>
0: oh, I have to prove on it.
1: From ballet but, dancer to mixed martial arts to a writer to a erotic writer to, to
0: hey, shapeshifting writer I was an armed to paranormal for writer. Years. And, and
1: that's only part of what you said. Man, I'd buy that book in a minute. Hmm. Anyway, uh, what's next for Raven? De You know, you mentioned the stuff with Rita. What other irons do you have in the fire coming up?
0: Well, I have started book three of the Wolf Town series, which is The Last okay. White Wolf and a, War, a Wolf for Samantha. I've started that one. Um, I'm thinking about doing a children's book under a pen name because I don't want children looking up my erotic page by mistake. So I'm right. thinking about doing one with just my first and middle name as a pen name, and then doing a children's book about wolves and maybe doing the illustrations because I love to draw, you know, so then I wouldn't have to pay somebody for that too. You know, I'm thinking about doing that. I just haven't decided yet what age group I want to do it for, whether it be, you know, five-year-olds or teenagers. So I guess I'll just have to start writing it and see, you know, what level it comes out at. Right, right. But so I'm thinking about getting into that.
1: Yeah, that that sounds awesome. So how do people get in contact with you? Can you give out any website or yes, any uh, um, contact information?
0: Well, my website is the Last White Wolf put together, just one word. Dot mm-hmm. um, vpweb.com Dot com, and you can contact me on Twitter under at Raven Wolfpack. Uh, Just send me a message through there, and I'll be glad to answer any questions. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I think Facebook, they can't get a hold of me, but I do believe that Goodreads, they can leave me a message also.
1: This has been the Funky Writers Show with me, Robert Batista. I'm at author r batista on twitter look for my free short stories carmela's dream and my baby has no name on smashwords.com my guest has been the author and so much more raven de La Hunte, and her explosive novel is called the last white wolf and she'll have more coming up watch out for it thank you so much raven for being a guest on the funky writer show
0: thank you for having me
1: It was wonderful. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye Bye. now.